Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. Oh, I just want to just start with a, f- a few thank yous uh, for this weekend because there are some people who have worked so incredibly hard to make this happen. And I think we have had an incredible couple of days together. God has moved among us and, uh, and, and, and that has happened in many senses on the back of people working hard. And, uh, and so I just want to say thank you. Now, uh, we should have done this before the kids went out. Ben and Rochelle and their team. Yeah, they've done an amazing job. And I, I particularly also want to highlight Adlin and Mal Lee, who really have served so well, worked so hard. So... They're obviously not in right now, so if you wouldn't mind when you pick up your kids, just really expressing your gratitude to them. Uh, oh, there, there's Adeline. Well done. There you are. Is Mal in or is she out? Oh, Mal, there you are. There you are. Well done, Mal. But yeah, if you guys could just express your gratitude to our kids team, that would be awesome. Uh, our tech team... Guys, well done. Thank you so much. You have served so well. And our worship team, hey? What a great job they've done. What a great job leading us to Jesus over and over and over again. It's been so God-centric. It's just been so good, so good. Uh, Our transport team, (laughs) all this stuff didn't magically arrive. It was all put into a truck and brought here, and it'll be taken back. So James and the, the rest of the guys who organized that, Zach, etc. cetera. Uh, thank you, Joseph, uh, for you guys. Ben, for you guys who worked so hard on that. Our speakers, John, Travis, where's Bo? There you are, Bo. I, I feel like we've had a, a feast this weekend. A feast uh, has been laid for us in the presence of the Lord as these guys have taught. And uh, I think they have so faithfully pointed us to Jesus. And we are so grateful. We are so grateful. And uh, we're so grateful for the hard work you've put in in terms of preparing. And we're so grateful for the way that you've led us into ministry. It's just been so good, so refreshing. I, my heart feels refreshed after these two days. Um, we want to say thank you to the camp. So uh, I, when, when uh, at lunchtime... At lunchtime, maybe we can just express our gratitude to them. I think the food's been amazing, and the way they've just looked after us, it's been so fabulous. And uh, last but not least, in fact, maybe even most, where is Rabina? Where is Rabina Cousins? Rabina. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ja. Administrator extraordinaire, solution finder, dealer with all matter of problems, and she does it with grace like you would not believe. We are so grateful for you, and we so appreciate all your hard work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so you can get hold of Rabina. And uh, no, no, no. You, you've come to her with all the, all the issues. Now come to her with all the gratitude, okay? All right? Oh, man. Have you ever noticed how good you feel when you laugh? Yeah. <laughs> what do we do with South Africans like that? <laughs> Tie them up. Tie them up. Put them in a cupboard. Put them in a longboat and wash them all over. The, the old King James says, laughter does good like medicine. And actually, science bears that out. It says that when we laugh, there's all manner of good things that happen in our body. It's this overwhelmingly positive thing that drives out all kinds of negative emotion. And, um, you know, um, my wife and I were canoeing down the Dordogne River in France uh, early in our married life. And uh, we... we um, we were having the argument of our lives. And probably genuinely was the argument of our lives. We were arguing over how you canoe. <laughs> and like all of these things, the issue is not really the issue, is it? Um, it was probably a whole bunch of other little issues uh, from sleepless nights and all kinds of things that had all kind of added up into this uh, outflow, outpouring of um, animosity between the two of us. And, uh, and, and as we're paddling down this river, we are fighting each other in the same canoe. And it's just such a brilliant picture of marriage, isn't it? Like you're, you're canoeing down a river and, and you're, you're fighting each other. And, and canoeing, you need to be working in tandem. You need to be working in sync. sync. So we, we have, and, and the problem with it is neither of us are giving up. Neither of us are repenting. Neither of us are turning toward the other. We are just entrenching deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And, uh, and we come to the set of rapids. And, um, and I shout, go left. And she shouts, go right. <laughs> and there's this large rock right in front of us. And you can tell what happened. We end up on the rock. The canoe flips. All our stuff is in the water. We're swimming down the stream. And now we're even madder. <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault. And, uh, and, and, and so we managed to get all our stuff back in the boat. And we're wet and bedraggled. And, and we come around a corner. And, and, and there is a, 
what's the best way to put it? A naturist <laughs> beach. And, you know, it's full of old people, and we just saw things we didn't want to see. But in that moment, there was nothing to do but laugh. And in that laughter, all that had been between us, all the angst, all the... just fled. And we suddenly found ourselves reconnected. And we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. And there is something about joy. There's something about laughter that is so good for us, so healing, so relieving. And I, two weeks ago, I just felt God say to me, I I had something kind of in mind that I wanted to bring. I just felt God speak to me and say, I want you to speak about joy. Because I want my people to be full of joy. And uh, there's this deep, vibrant joy that belongs to us who believe. And I use that word belong intentionally. It belongs to us. It's ours. Joy isn't something we have to go and get. It's not something we must go and find. It's not something that we're running after. It's already in us. It's already our inheritance. It already belongs to us. If we believe Jesus, if we know Jesus, if we've given our lives to Jesus, joy is already our portion. And I believe God wants a joy-filled church, a joyful people. In fact, I believe the world needs a joy-filled church. As, as the vitriol and the angst of social media and the, the, the clashing opinions swirl around us continually, what the, what the world needs to see is not a church that acts in the same spirit. It needs to see a church that is so full of joy, so full of joy. God is a God of joy. And so I, I guess... What I feel is that God wants to open some wells. God wants to open some wells, unblock some wells today. Uh, and, and the picture I had, we, we had this hilarious moment at Life Group the other day when uh, Joe was telling us about their fight with beavers. And uh, they had, they, they had a, 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 a sort of a little river that ran through this property and the beavers, night after night, would dam it up. And, uh, and the water would stop flowing. And these beavers were, you know. And so every day they would go out and they would unblock. They would pick apart the beavers' dam to get the water running again. And every night the beavers would come out. And, they, and, and guess who won? <laughs> the beavers won. The beavers won. But I, as we were uh, as we were just uh, singing and worshiping this morning, I just had this real sense that God wants to unblock some wells tonight. That, that in in, uh, in Genesis we read about Jacob unblocking the wells that that his father Abraham had dug. That there were wells that had been dug, and that the Philistines had come and they'd thrown rocks in the wells. And the reason they'd done that, obviously, was to make that land unusable. 
they didn't want others camping on that land and beginning to grow their crops, and they didn't want others coming and, and making it fruitful and, and, and starting to inhabit that place. So they blocked up the wells. And Jacob went and he unblocked the wells in order to bring fruitfulness, in order to bring life again. And I, I just have a real sense that God wants to do that in some of our lives, that for some of us, we are in a place where our, our wells are blocked and there isn't joy in our lives. There isn't the sense of uh, abandon and surrender and freedom. There's this grinding day-by-day thing that just doesn't really bear much of a resemblance to what feels like we are a saved people who've been released into all that God has for us. And so I just want to talk about, very briefly, I want to summarize some reasons for joy. I want to talk about some resistors of joy. And then I want to talk about rejoicing. And then I want to pray that God will unblock. Because I think there's, there's, there's some... There's some Stuff that God wants to do this morning. I, I feel like we could go home. <laughs> we've, had, we've had such a rich time, but I don't actually think God's finished with us. That God wants to unblock some stuff. I wonder when you think of Jesus, what first springs to mind? What characteristic of his first springs to mind? Is it his compassion? Was it uh, the way he approached the woman, at the, uh, the woman caught in adultery? with such gentleness and mercy? Uh, was it the uh, situation, was it his, his authority uh, when he spoke to uh, the demonic and cast it out? Was it the authority that people said, wow, this, when this guy speaks, there's something to him? Was it uh, other fruits of the Spirit that we see in Jesus' life? Well, I want to propose to you or suggest to you that the most, uh, that the thing that we might first notice about Jesus was his joy. That he was the most joyful person who ever lived. That, that there was something in him that was so connected to God. There was a stream that poured out of him all the time. That he had such capacity for people. I, I think Jesus has laughing eyes. Do you know what I mean by that? I think his eyes laugh all the time. I think there is something that is so joyful about him that makes him so attractive. You know, 1, one Chronicle says, uh, 16 verse 26, For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Wherever the Lord is, there is strength and joy. That word, that, it's interesting, actually, that they link those two here. Strength and joy. Strength and joy. Strength and joy. Actually, you find that link runs all the way through Scripture. Nehemiah, later on, will say to the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is something about the linking of strength and joy. And, and when we become inward focused, when we, become, when we begin to navel gaze, when we begin to lose focus of what God is doing, we also lose our strength. When we lose our joy, we also lose our outward focus, our strength. 
Now, Psalm 16, verse 11, David is prophesying about Jesus. And uh, he's speaking in that sense in the first person of, uh, about Jesus. He says, you've made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. I d- what does fullness of joy look like? Can you imagine fullness of joy? Like, for a moment, where there is nothing but joy. Or joy is so full that nothing else can intrude on that. I don't think we actually can understand that in this world. But that is the promise of the future that we have, that we will live eternally in fullness of joy. That's amazing to think about. And Jesus, Hebrews tells us, was anointed with the oil of joy. Listen to the way it's put. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, the Father, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Beyond anyone else, Jesus was joyful. There, was, there has never been a person who has walked this earth who has been as joyful, joy-filled as Jesus and so you can imagine when he walked into a room. You can, ima- can you imagine conversations with him? Can you imagine? I-, I think his world was filled with laughter. All the time, people around him were laughing. I think that's part of what made him so attractive. That's why uh, tax collectors wanted to have them at his, him at, a, their, his par- at their parties. That's why uh, Pharisees wanted to be with him. That's why prostitutes wanted to be with him. That's why he he was attractive to everyone. Everyone sought out his company. So last night, Bo was talking about this challenge of the the Jews uh, at the time saw Jesus as the the conquering Messiah, but they didn't see him as the suffering servant. They didn't see him as the man of sorrows. And Isaiah refers to him, he, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So Jesus not only entered our world and clothed himself with humanity and suffered in his own life, you know, suffered the death of his friend Lazarus, suffered probably his, the, the death of his own father in his teens, because Joseph is never mentioned beyond his childhood. Uh, so Jesus was acquainted with his own grief, Jesus experienced the betrayal of his friends. He, he experienced his own grief, but Scripture tells us that he experienced a lot more than his own grief. He entered in and he carried your grief and my grief. He carried all of our shame and our sin and the guilty feelings that we, we have about things that we've done and we've experienced. He carried all of the reality of sins done against us, those things that where we might be tempted to fall into a victim way of thinking. He carried those things for us as well. He was, in that sense, a man of sorrows. And yet, you know, the New Testament never refers to him as a man of sorrows. Never refers to him as a man of sorrows. Jesus, Isaiah 50 verse 6 says this, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheek to those who pull out the beard. 
I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. There was something in Jesus. There was a strength. There was a resolve. There was a, a, an internal power to Jesus that was able to make him able to say that. I gave. I gave. When the, he, he was able to say to the high priest, you don't crucify me. I choose this. I, don't, I, I choose this. I, right, any, any moment now, I could call on legions of angels, and they would decimate this place. I choose this. I choose this. And, and in fact, not only, he chose it, and, and his motivation for choosing it was joy. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, and when we read this scripture last night, and we we're talking about it's your move. It's your turn now. But listen to where this lands. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, what was his motivation? For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was motivated by joy. Jesus was motivated by thinking about you and me and every person who would trust in his name and thinking, I can't wait to restore them. I can't wait to be in relationship with them. I can't wait to draw them into my uh, glorious presence and for them to know all that I made them for. Jesus was so motivated by joy, and you and I, and I think this is the kind of inconceivable thing of the gospel, is that you and I are in some sense the object of his joy. That Jesus looks at you and me and, and, and every person that he calls and he says, you are what I long for. You are what I want. You are the object of my affection. And Tra uh, Travis mentioned this yesterday morning, John 15. Jesus is talking about abiding, remaining in him. And then he makes the staggering comment. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you. The man who is the most joyful person in the whole world that creation has ever known, he wants that same joy to live in us. Not only does he want it, it does. He said, I've spoken these things. It's already done. I've spoken these things. I'm going to do this thing on the cross. I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to do these things in order that your joy, that you might have the same joy, that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Isn't that amazing? God captures us up in His joy. Now, one Peter, uh, um, Peter, Peter just goes through. I was going to spend a bit more time in this, but I'm going to just go straight to verse 8. Straight to verse 8. Though you have not seen him. So Peter's writing to a bunch of people who are being persecuted, people who are suffering. And he says, in one sense, you're not like us. You're not like me. 
uh, and James and John, you, you, you haven't seen him. You haven't lived with him. You haven't experienced what he's like in the flesh. You, you didn't wake up <laughs> on that mountainside, coffee-deprived, and uh, wondering how you're going to get through the morning. And he just burst into song. And he was full of life and energy and laughing at you and catching you up. And seconds later, you were full of joy yourself. You, you didn't experience that. You weren't there at the transfiguration. When Peter said, this is good. <laughs> this is good. I think we should stay here forever. I will build, I'll build you some tents. I, I, you know, I know you're the carpenter, but I'll, I'll, I'll even build tents so we can stay here. This is so good. I like this. Moses is here. Elijah's here. This is, this is amazing. You weren't here. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. We don't have to see him to love him in this way. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You love him. You've never seen him. Yet you believe in him and it, there is such joy in your souls because of this encounter with him that it's inexpressible. You don't even have words to be able to express it. This joy is so full of glory that it shapes you as a people. In the midst of suffering, it's not that we don't suffer. It's not that, it's not that necessarily our circumstances line up with what's in our hearts. But we express, we, or we, we live in something. So, so if all of this is true... If all of this is true, why is it that the church can be as miserable as the world? And frankly, I think the church has been. In, in this whole COVID thing, I think the church has been as miserable as the world at times. And, and, and the church has been full of the same stuff the world has been full of. And I loved what you said yesterday morning, Travis, about how, how do we pandemic-proof and politician-proof our faith. Because the church seems to speak about the pandemic and argue about the pandemic and, and our responses to the pandemic and argue about politicians and, and get itself in, into all kinds of hissy fits. When actually, and, 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 and it seems to lose the central message so quickly. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying they're not central. So how is it that we do that? And I, I was just reflecting last summer. Last summer, I, I think, uh, was one of the most discouraged I had been. Um, we went on holiday. Uh, I think I was weary. John talked about the difference between being tired and weary. I was weary of doing good at that point. I was weary. I was, I was, happy. I was happy to not do this stuff again. I was, you know, I was happy, just like, uh, I don't know. Give me a solar system. Give me, uh, you know, off-grid sounds great. <laughs> uh, cabin in the woods. 
No people to be responsible for. That sounds amazing. No email. No email. That sounds incredible. No social media. Bring it on. That was where, that was, that was where I was at. And um, over, a, over a week, uh, and, and I have to say, the book Gentle and Lowly, which I've recommended ad nauseum, uh, was, was so much a part of this. Over a week, God just cracked open my spirit. And I was complaining to him one morning. Early in the morning, I'd got up, sitting outside, enjoying the sun, reading the book, complaining to God. <laughs> and, and I just felt God, God having cracked open my spirit over a week, he just spoke to me and he said, why are you drinking the poison? And it was like, like what you said on, on, on Friday night. The curtains opened. <laughs> and I suddenly saw, I am the most blessed of men. <laughs> My Savior has died for me. My eternal destiny is secure. I am on mission with friends. I'm caught up in the greatest thing, the, the gospel going to the nations, the thing that when, 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 it's, when history ends and the true history books are revealed, the, the journey of the church and the spread of the gospel will be the history that everything else centers around. And I'm part of that. And my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And here I am brought into glory why so downcast on my soul? Why so downcast? Why are you drinking the poison? And, and the question is such a great question, and I think God does this, doesn't he? Where he asks you a great question. Because the question wasn't, why am I giving you poison to drink? The question is, why are you drinking? Why are you feeding yourself on this stuff? Why are you letting this stuff determine your presence of mind rather than all that I have for you? And last night, Sam Coggs talked about streams of living water. And, and this is the reality. If we're thirsty, come and drink. And out of your being will gush rivers of living water is what Jesus says to us. There's something that's supposed to gush out of us. And, and you know what struck me again uh, as he was bringing it? It was that picture of Ezekiel. You know the picture of the, the water flowing from the temple? How deep is the water by the temple? It's a trickle shallow. What happens as it gets further away? It gets deeper. And, as it goes from the temple into the world, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. If we want to be full of the Spirit, if we want to experience the power of the, the Spirit, we have to get deeper and deeper and deeper into the world. That's where the depth of the Spirit is taking us. And so just this question of resistors of joy. I just... and and. Three things. Again, Travis mentioned the first of them yesterday, cynicism. What are you cultivating in your heart? What are you drinking? What are you allowing to shape your perspective on things? Have you, have you allowed... Because cynicism, cynicism is this funny mix, isn't it, of, of bitterness and anger and arrogance, where we kind of, we look at the world through these glasses, that'll never amount to much. I told you that was going to fail. 
It's like this bitterness that kind of grows within us. And, and I think Jesus was the opposite of that. I think Jesus, there was no cynicism to Jesus. Complaining, where we, where we set, set our hearts on negative things and we just regurgitate them. Uh, there's a, a, a great quote about what um, complaining is. It's the assertion of self to secure our own way or desire as opposed to laying it down for God's glory. That's what complaining is. Criticism, complaining, criticizing. Cynicism, complaining, criticizing. When we criticize others, when we get into a critical frame of mind, I think these are all joy killers. When we, when we begin to feast on those things, the stream gets dammed up. And no longer are we pouring out that pure river of joy. And I think God just wants to release us from stuff. This is the thing about children, isn't it? When you see children, have you ever noticed a cynical child? Children don't do cynicism. Children don't do cynicism. They, they, they're amazed at what... I, I remember holding Taylor once when he was young and turning on the light switch. Wow! Again. Switch it off. Turn it on. Wow! Again. Switch it off. Switch it on. Wow! Again. And, and as an adult... Like after the 30th time, you're like, this is killing me. And after the 30th time, he's still building. He's like, wow, again. And there's this capacity in children to enjoy and delight that God wants in us. God wants us to have a capacity. And I think the capacity in us grows as we rejoice. And so Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say. Rejoice. Do you know, I think this is why worship is so important to us. Um, no, it's not why. Worship is important to us because Jesus is important to us. But this is one of the benefits of worship, is that it grows our capacity for joy. And, and so when we give ourselves in worship, and when I say that, I, what I mean is that I think, you know, the Psalms give us a language for worship in terms of dancing and shouting and clapping and expressing. There is something, you know, have you ever tried to laugh hilariously quietly? Think about those times when you were not supposed to be laughing. Think, think about those moments when uh, it's highly inappropriate to laugh. <laughs> and, 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 and you just are losing it. How hard is it to hold that in? How hard is it to hold in laughter when it's inappropriate and yet you've seen something funny and everything in you just wants to explode? I think that is a, is a picture of the church. That God wants the sense of life and vibrancy and explosive laughter to come out of us. And I think that worship is one of the keys to that. The angel said to them, 
the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. For all people there is joy because of Jesus. For all people, this is for the nations. This is why the church needs a joyful, uh, sorry, this is why the nations need a joyful church. They need to see something in us that is so utterly different, that's so magnificent. Not because it's well produced, not because it's slick, but because it's full of joy. Because it's full of life, because God is bursting through it, brimming over it. And I think God wants to do that with us. He wants to lead us into deeper and deeper rejoicing. And so I want to pray today for wells being unblocked. I I think for some of us, actually, there's spiritual oppression that rests over us preventing us experiencing joy. And God wants to lift it off you today. He wants to set you free so that you can rejoice, so that you can be full of joy. For others of us, actually it's about repenting. It's, it's actually that you've cultivated in your heart complaining and criticizing and cynicism. You've allowed it to grow and fester. And so you look at your life and you say, where's the joy? Where's the joy? Why don't I feel joy? Why do I come to church and I come to worship and I don't feel joy? What do I co- we sing these songs full of amazing truths and I don't feel any joy. Well, the reason for that is we've cultivated other stuff. And those weeds are gradually uh, shutting down. They're like the beaver's dam. They're shutting down the stream. And, we, and what, what we need to do is we need to repent. We need to say, God, I'm so sorry for filling my heart and my mind with those things. And I need to step in to joy. I said this a few weeks back in the courtroom of culture. The church is not the judge. The church is not even the prosecutor. We're not here to wag our fingers at the world and tell them all that's wrong with it. The church is the witness, is in the witness box. What did God call us to be? You'll be my witnesses. We're in the witness box. And we're laughing in the witness box as we're telling people what we've seen and what we've experienced. We've experienced life. Do you know what? I'm just like you. I'm just like you. But I, I was open, the way of repentance was open to me and now I'm full of joy. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. Why? Because I am in love. I have met someone who has turned my world inside out. He has so utterly changed me. He has so utterly shaped me that my, my, my everyday reality is changed. Changed. I spend my money differently. I use my time differently. I'm working for different things. I look at my relationships differently. Everything has changed because of Him. And it is so amazing and filled with joy. And you need it too. You need it too. That's what the world needs from us. So, why don't we just respond? You know, I, I, in all honesty, 
I've imagined this moment over and over again in my preparation. And I just did not know what to do. <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> but I think we should repent. And so I think we should do it here. Just because it's good for us to get up out of our seat and move towards the Lord. And so if you need to repent of cultivating stuff in your heart that you know needs to be put to death, come on down. Come on down. And, uh, and we'll pray in a moment for release for people, for an anointing of joy. But if you know this is you, just come on down. Stand, kneel, whatever you feel. Just come on down. Let's just... And just, you know, tell him what you need to repent of. Just let's just come on down, guys. Just if you guys at the front could just come forward a little bit just to make some more space. Wonderful. Wonderful. Come on down. Okay, I'm just going to pray for you, and then I'm going to invite you to pray. Just because the, the most, just even, um, just filter through, guys. Come on, filter through. The, the most important thing here isn't what I do, it's what you do. <laughs> so, Father, I just pray for each one responding to you right now. I thank you that you love to fill us with joy. And God, we just confess uh, our proclivity to fill ourselves, to cultivate anxiety and cynicism and criticism and complaining and to live in that space. And we just confess it as sin. And we are sorry, Lord, for what we've done and, and for, for, in that sense, despising what you've done for us and focusing our lives and our hearts and our minds on things that really are so insignificant in comparison to what you've done for us. And, and so we just want to enter into your joy this morning. Thank you, Father. Why don't you just lift your voice and just speak out your own uh, repentance and, uh, and praise to him. Just worship him in this moment.